Tonight, great big convoy, why truckers hit the road in protest and the government's response to their concerns, plus. People are, are very, very frustrated and, I, and I, I can understand why. The airport boss calling on Ottawa to scrap the PCR test and a beverage recall over fears of cyanide poisoning. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Jordan Armstrong, in tonight for Nitu Garcha. Truckers say too many of their fellow drivers have lost their lives on BC highways and something has to be done about it. Hundreds took their big rigs to Metro Vancouver roads today, calling on the provincial government to improve highway maintenance in order to make their jobs safer. Paul Johnson has our top story. If you're looking to get somebody's attention, a long convoy of semi-trailers winding through Metro Vancouver is one way to do it. We're here today because um, over the years, uh, we are, our, our driving conditions, the road conditions are getting worse and worse. Well, COVID-19 and busted supply chains have brought renewed attention to the logistics and transportation sector. These drivers with the West Coast Trucking Association say they face problems that are more fundamental and predate the pandemic. Normally, I'm going to across Canada. Bupinder Aujla says he's driven trucks in Dubai, the UK and the US. And to him, Western Canada's highways stand out as being poorly maintained, especially in winter. In this time, I'm going to BC, Alberta. I have seen the worst road condition, worst. BC's Ministry of Transportation got mostly widespread praise after its work in getting the Coquihalla reopened to commercial trucking ahead of schedule. They told Global News Saturday they've reached out to the West Coast Trucking Association and acknowledged that some of their winter maintenance contractors haven't met their standards, and they'll be fixing that. Well, our number one priority as a ministry uh, is to make sure that all truckers are safe. Um, all workers in British Columbia deserve to uh, work safely and get home to their families. Well, winter highway maintenance seems to be their top concern. They'd also like to see more and better rest stops. And as anyone who's worked on the road during the pandemic can tell you, clean and accessible bathrooms go a long way to making you feel like a respected member of the workforce. In Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. Additional vaccination measures are now in effect this weekend for Canadians traveling across the border. Starting today, travelers entering the U.S. by land and ferry terminals must show proof they are fully vaccinated. The biggest impact will likely be on cross-border truckers. Last week, the federal government brought in a vaccine mandate for truckers entering Canada, and now the U.S. is matching that measure. More post-secondary schools return to in-person learning on Monday, most notably Simon Fraser University and the University of Victoria. But that has prompted some pushback from students who say a remote learning option is needed. Amadagahi reports. The opportunity to assume their own risk. That is what university students across British Columbia are calling for just days ahead of a return to in-person classes and lecture halls. There's a huge list of concerns um, with how we're handling COVID right now that have students worried about uh, being in classes. In a letter signed by unions representing students at several major BC institutions and in the Alliance of BC Students, Dr. Bonnie Henry is urged to issue new guidance. 
the argument being the December 22nd guidance by the PHO strongly recommending the return of on-campus learning is out of date with the current COVID situation. The, the vast majority of students are, are in favor of at least finding a hybrid model that allows you know, students who are in higher risk categories or living with those that are higher risk. Uh, to be able to experience their education in a way that's safe and comfortable for them. Meanwhile, a letter dated Friday to post-secondary institutions by Dr. Bonnie Henry is doubling down on her assurance of the following. We continue to see lower risk in structured seated settings, she says, given as well the disproportionate adverse impacts of the pandemic on our young adults in the context of a highly vaccinated population, I urge you to prioritize on-campus instruction whenever possible. I think the numbers kind of speak for itself. So almost 80% of the students surveyed wanted some component of remote learning. That is the result of a Simon Fraser Student Society survey with more than 5,000 respondents. On that campus, there is also a walkout planned for Monday. I'm pretty nervous because there's an increasing population for the COVID right now. There is a considerable effort underway by those concerned about the impact of the virus on them and others to have the option to stay home without compromising the education they pay for. Amadagahi, Global News. Air travel is no easy endeavor these days with numerous COVID protocols and mandates depending on your destination. And that has several airport authorities, including Kelowna International, calling on the federal government to make a change. Here's Darian Matasafong. Because right now, it's a lot. International travelers at Kelowna's airport say it's tough to navigate all of the COVID regulations, testing requirements, quarantine plans, apps, and insurance needs. Right now, it's a mess. It really is a mess. Uh, and very, very difficult for the traveling public. Kelowna International Airport is making a call to the federal government that it is time to review COVID-19 protocols for international travel. Why do you need to test passengers arriving on international flights when they've already been tested before they even boarded the flight? The airport questions, why is the federal government seemingly wasting COVID-19 tests on international arrivals while ramping down community testing inside the country? And we have this uh, domestic need uh, where we don't have enough testing available uh, in, in the community. And, and we've got a community spread in, the, uh, in around 30% um, without people being able to avail themselves of, of testing. Global News has heard from air travelers that international COVID protocols has deterred them from flying internationally. They started this process to go to Punta Cana back in July, hoping that this would all be over with. And uh, it's just kind of snowballed more. An open letter from the chief medical officers of Air Canada, Toronto Pearson and WestJet is asking the government officials to shift PCR testing from airports into communities. In the most recent week of reported data, over 123,000 PCR tests were conducted at Canada's airports with an average positivity rate of 3%. Meanwhile, the positivity rate in our communities is now approximately 30% and could be higher due to the underreporting of positivity from a lack of tests. We need to ensure Canada's limited testing resources are being used where Canadians need them most to support our communities, schools, hospitals, and long-term care homes. Darian Matasafung, Global News, Kelowna. 
In Williams Lake, police are investigating a suspicious death. RCMP say officers responded to a disturbance call at a home on Carson Drive just before 6 this morning. A man was found dead. Police are appealing to the public to identify any possible people involved. Abbotsford police are asking for your help tonight to find a missing 16-year-old. Police say Tavin Christensen was last seen Friday in the area of Ware Street and South Fraser Way, close to the Bavaria Restaurant. Christensen is 5'10", with a shaved head and green eyes. If you have any information, call Abbotsford Police. A serious crash on Highway 97A shut down the route for several hours last night. Vernon say the crash happened late Friday afternoon near Stepney Crossroad and Canyon Road between Enderby and Armstrong. Emergency vehicles were on scene. No word yet on what happened, nor any injuries. An auto wrecker in B.C.'s interior is facing thousands of dollars in losses after a fire. The flames broke out early Friday morning at Adrenaline Auto Recyclers in Chase. The fire started in some cars and trailers before spreading to old tires and the neighboring yard. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but up to 30 vehicles and two storage units are destroyed. There's nothing flammable staged in those outbuildings, but they would have an extensive dollar value with all three of those outbuildings uh, components added up together. I'd say we'd probably right now be somewhere in closer to half a million in loss. The cause of the fire is under investigation. A smoothie product is being recalled after reports of illnesses caused by cyanide poisoning. Here is the product to avoid. It is called the Immunity Super Functional Smoothie, sold online across Canada. It is being recalled due to the presence of raw elderberries, which contain a natural toxin. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency became aware of the health concerns after complaints and reported illnesses. Some symptoms of cyanide poisoning include weakness, confusion, nausea, headaches, and shortness of breath. An investigation is ongoing, which could lead to more products being recalled. And now a note, if you are traveling tomorrow morning, a fog advisory has been issued. Here's meteorologist Yvonne Schell with details. Where's this happening, Yvonne? Metro Vancouver, and it also extends in towards the interior. Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley West, that also includes Abbotsford. We could see dense fog, limited visibility this evening and leading in towards the morning hours. So a heads up. We're also seeing it into the Okanagan, Shushwap, as well as the Similkameen, and areas into the East Columbia included within that. So we, are, we do have a ridge of high pressure that is in place, but it's actually trapping in the moisture and we're seeing the cloud into the valley. So we'll continue to watch this. Temperatures are going to be cool once again overnight. Tonight we're actually dipping down to one, but we've got that fog that will take us in towards the morning hours. Not much of a break tomorrow. We've got a mainly cloudy sky. Temperatures will be up to five degrees. Now the warming temperatures has also prompted an avalanche warming. I'll have those areas coming up very shortly. Jordan? All right, see you in a bit. Thanks, Yvonne. Canadians shot dead in a part of Mexico many British Columbians visit. Up next on the News Hour, a look at the other violence to rock the Yucatan Peninsula in recent months and what the Mexican government is trying to do about it. And have you heard of a cup share? We'll tell you about a growing initiative that's good for the wallet and the environment. That's later. We are learning more tonight about a deadly shooting in Mexico involving Canadians. Three people were shot at a popular tourist resort south of Playa del Carmen. Mexican authorities say two men were killed and a woman is recovering in hospital. They also allege that the gunman in the brazen attack is a Canadian. He remains at large. Michael Couture has more, but first a warning, this story may be disturbing to some viewers. 
Webcam images capture what was nearly a picture-perfect day at the Mexican resort. Five bangs believed to be gunshots ring out. This video appears to show the scene afterwards with three bodies laying on the floor in an eating area. Definitely a shock that it happened in a resort. Canadian travel advisor Lori Gold lives 10 minutes from the resort. And while she was surprised, she doesn't feel less safe. You know, people have to realize that life is still life, even in paradise. But typically it does not affect uh, tourists at all. It is not anywhere near tourism. It is really super targeted. Local police claim the shooting was linked to organized crime. Reports say two men are dead, while one woman is in hospital. All three are believed to be Canadian. The gunman seen in this photo released by the local Secretary of Public Security is still on the loose. Global Affairs Canada won't confirm the identities of the three Canadians, but did say consular officials are working with local authorities and are providing consular assistance. While locals seem to feel safe, there has been a spate of shootings in recent months that are getting a lot of attention because they were in tourist areas or involved tourists. In October, an American and German were killed after getting caught in the apparent crossfire of rival drug dealers. A month later, at least 10 gunmen stormed the beach of a luxury hotel near Cancun. The Mexican government is trying to address the crimes while protecting the lucrative tourist industry, according to Walter McKay, an expert in policing and security in Mexico. The uh, tourist police, they call them, who are uh, trained in English and other uh, popular languages such as German, so they can deal with tourists who need assistance um, because they have a vested interest to protect this billion-dollar-plus economy. An economy that could take a hit after an apparent organized crime hit at a resort. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. Coming up, a BC family desperate for health care. He's 14 years old and he's 75 pounds. He's wasting away. Why the surgery they've been told an emergency has been denied four times. Plus, the father accused of abducting his daughter so she couldn't be vaccinated. A Canada-wide warrant has been issued for a Saskatchewan father who's charged with abduction as the search continues for him and his missing seven-year-old daughter. It's alleged one of the reasons Michael Gordon Jackson took Sarah was because he doesn't want her to be vaccinated. Global's Taz Dollywall has the latest. Saskatchewan RCMP continue their search for 52-year-old Michael Gordon Jackson, who is facing a charge of abducting his 7-year-old daughter, Sarah. On Friday, RCMP announced the charge and a Canada-wide warrant for his arrest. Marie Carr Jackson, Sarah's mother, says she's very worried about the well-being of her missing child. Time is, you know, going by, getting by, and every day I, every day I just, feel like I'm not going to be able to see my daughter anymore. Michael Jackson, who's divorced from Marie Carr, made an appearance on Live with Laura Lynn on Rumble earlier this month, telling the host he does not want his daughter to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. He said he kept her following a visitation in mid-November. He is um, pick a very controversial issue on vaccination, but it has been going on for many years that he is not um you know, returning Sarah back. Within court proceedings, Marie Carr has described her ex-husband as emotionally and psychologically abusive. Investigators believe Jackson may be receiving help from other people in evading police. When you're helping someone who is a fugitive, you are going to be charged. 
And if anything happens to that child, you you can be charged. So my best advice is turn the person in, let the police know so that this resolves in a very safe manner and nobody gets hurt. Sherry Lee Benson, Podolchuk, retired RCMP officer, says this case of parental abduction isn't rare. It probably happens more often than we think. It's just this is a very particular case, and um, it's really disheartening that the child has been gone this long. I can't imagine what it's like for the mother and the family having to uh, the unknowns and and not knowing if she's safe and, and where they are at the time. The RCMP say they want Sarah to know she's not in any trouble and that her mom misses her, adding they are doing what they can to reunite the two as soon as possible. Taz Dollywell, Global News. The growing number of hospitalizations due to Omicron spread means many surgeries are being postponed right now. That includes a crucial procedure for a B.C. teen. 14-year-old Devin Gallant and his family have traveled to Vancouver from the Peace Region for life-changing surgery as he battles a debilitating disease. But as Amadagahi reports, Devin has no clue when he will head to the operating room. Go back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Wait for the doctor to come in. 14 hours and 1,200 from home, Devin Gallant and his family are waiting. I want it as soon as possible. For a surgery, the 14-year-old from Fort St. John desperately needs to continue his long battle with a condition he has lived with since he was a toddler, diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy when he was three years old. If Devin doesn't get surgery, his, his curve is so bad that it's going to affect his breathing, so that's going to push into his lungs. It's going to, his curve is going to push into his spleen. It's going to push into his ribs. It's going to push into his heart, essentially. Previously, they have been told the surgery to insert rods into his back is an emergency. But the family says it has been scheduled and cancelled four times in the last six weeks. On two occasions, it was last minute. It was pretty frustrating going in there at like five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, and then me getting all ready in my gown and my suit, and then the doctors coming in and telling me that it's canceled. For weeks now, the province of BC has been postponing what it calls non-urgent surgeries to help ease the burden on the healthcare system during the Omicron wave. And I understand some of these measures may cause concerns and challenges for patients, and we are determined to get services up and back and running in full as soon as possible. From September 5th to January 15th, 5,111 surgeries have been postponed in BC, while stories of the people making up those numbers are beginning to emerge. He's 14 years old and he's 75 pounds. He's wasting away faster than we can beef him up. Right now, I can't even hang out with my friends because I can't get out of my wheelchair. Surgery is just the first step for Devin. He has also been denied critical treatment, his family says, and they are destined to fight for both before returning back home. Amadagahi, Global News. There's been a significant increase in organ donations in Nova Scotia ever since that province became the first place in North America to bring in presumed consent one year ago. Numbers obtained by the Canadian press show there were 155 tissue donations last year. That's a 40% increase over 2020. There were also 23 successful organ donors. 
The groundbreaking Human Organ and Tissue Donation Act took effect in the province on January 18, 2021. People are presumed to consent to donation unless they opt out. There is also an option to proactively register to become a donor. Well, something associated with the English Bay Barge has departed, but all signs point to the wreck itself sticking around a while longer. We'll explain next on the News Hour. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. While the reopening of the Coquihalla to non essential travel has ski resorts in the Okanagan confident that business is about to boom. Bookings are going very well. Big White Ski Resort is fielding a lot of emails and calls now that the main route between the Lower Mainland and the interior is viable again after another winter without international visitors and then a couple of months where flooding prevented interprovincial travel. The resort is counting on a busy spring break. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars of booking from our biggest market. So we're very encouraged by that. And we just hope everything keeps going in the right direction. Now, even though the highway is open, drivers should expect delays and lower speed limits in some areas. A Canadian photographer ranked among the world's best, and it's easy to see why. That story right after Yvonne's forecast. Just before weather, a cheeky civic sign put up after that large barge washed ashore in November has come down. The Vancouver Park Board says it has now removed the barge chilling beach sign from its Sunset Beach location, saying it was always intended to be temporary. The sign was tagged twice with the name of the beach in the Squamish language. That raised discussions of reconciliation, with advocates pointing out the city has been slow to add indigenous place names to Vancouver, but the park board was quick to install a parody sign. While the sign was removed by Friday, the barge itself will still be there for some time. A spokesperson for the barge's owner, Sentry Marine Towing, says the company is still working out details of the removal plan and hopes to have the work underway within the next 30 days. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here now, and it was a gorgeous day, a taste of spring, Yvonne. Yeah, it felt like it out there. It was nice to see some sunshine in the mix, uh, but we've got a similar weather picture that we've seen over the past few days. Ridgef high pressure has been in place, but we've seen fog, very dense for many areas. We could have limited visibility, so we've got that heads up with the fog advisory, especially overnight tonight, and taking us in towards our Sunday morning. But dry conditions, we're currently sitting at 5 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind out of the airport at 9 kilometers per hour. A few other temperatures across the province. It's chilly into the interior just below the freezing mark most areas across metro vancouver it'll cool off once again as we dip down to one overnight tonight the fog for many areas right across the board extending in towards the fraser valley and then a mainly cloudy sky for tomorrow with highs up to five degrees we're also seeing the fog advisory extending in towards the west columbia region so all areas that are in gray the okanagan shushwaps the milkamine metro vancouver as well as the fraser valley we're seeing the potential for dense fog limited visibility as we look ahead towards our sunday morning and then dissipating, but still some fog patches. It's higher elevations if you want to see the sunshine. Get up to the mountaintops. That'll be bright, especially for the early morning hours and through the day tomorrow. We've got this ridge of high pressure. Most areas across the province remaining dry. It's along the north coast that could still see a few isolated showers in the mix, and inland areas could also see the potential for a few wet flurries just for the early morning hours, and that'll be near terrace. Now with the warmer temperatures, a special avalanche warning has been issued. All areas in red, the Sea to Sky, Southern Reach, uh, South Coast, inland areas, and... 
towards the interior. We are continuing to see this avalanche warning with the weak uh, layers, in, weak snow layers rather, and the snowpack that we are watching. And this will still take us in towards our Monday. So a heads up for anyone that's planning on traveling into the back country. It's not recommended for those regions. Now inland tomorrow, that is where we could see a few wet flurries in the mix. Temperatures will be up to five. Much of the central interior, it's more cloud cover. We've got some fog patches, especially for the southern interior, and then breaks towards the afternoon. Much of the valley bottoms, though, that's where we'll see that dense fog across the region. It'll dissipate still underneath a mainly cloudy sky through the day for tomorrow. Whistler looking to see highs closer to five degrees. A few more breaks across the southern regions of the island and hanging on to that cloud cover for the northern and central regions. Metro Vancouver, so we've got dense fog for the morning hours. It'll be a cool start, a mainly cloudy sky, but it's our long-range forecast, Jordan. It's dry over the next few. Back I to you. love it. Always yes. nice to see a winter forecast without the raindrop icons. I agree. Thanks, <laughs> Yvonne. One of the top 10 photographs in the world was taken by a Canadian. Deborah McEwen is a fine art, nature, and wildlife photographer from Saskatchewan. She was one of hundreds around the world asked to submit her photos to the World Photo Cup. After sending in five of her best and three rounds of eliminations, one was selected. That photo was taken in Alaska around 6.30 in the morning when she was on a boat as she captured the moment a whale fin emerges from the water. McEwen has been doing photography for nearly 45 years, but only started capturing wildlife and nature six years ago. Since then, she has received plenty of awards and recognition not only in Canada, but around the world. My husband was with me and I looked at him and I went, did they just call my name? Like, and then they showed my image and I was like, my heart did not stop for like about an hour, I'm sure. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. McEwen will find out whether her photo makes the top three at the end of March. Could look at those all day. Very calming. Gorgeous. Nice pictures. Barry, what's coming up in sports? Well, I think uh, everyone wants to seize an opportunity when they get that chance. And Spencer Martin, who played goal last night for the Canucks, his first NHL start in five years. Of course, uh, Thatcher Demko and Yaroslav Halak are in COVID protocol. So the Canucks are down to the backups of the backups. And uh, he played great. They didn't get the win, but they got a shootout point. So we'll hear from him when we come back. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up on the news hour, more complaints about collateral damage. Vancouver's new fees for bags and cups. And speaking of cups, the rise of cup share programs, how they work and who's on board when we come back. Three weeks into the city of Vancouver's single-use bylaw, there is evidence people with low or no incomes are being hurt the most by the new bag and cup fees. Under the new rules, businesses must charge a minimum 25 cents per disposable cup and 15 cents per paper bag. Some homeless people have had to pay the fee in order to get the coffee included on prepaid McDonald's meal vouchers issued by shelters. Residents of the downtown east side are among those least able to afford the fees. And the Retail Council of Canada would like to see the city give more leeway for businesses to provide complimentary bags to customers in need. It's unfortunate um, that the city bylaw doesn't have an exception um, based on income. Um, however, if they did, it would be very difficult for a retailer to know who um, that applied to. So I can understand why the city, in legal terms, didn't want to do that. But that's the most disappointing part, is to experience a situation where a customer has difficulty affording the bag or cup fee. 
The city of Vancouver says it is looking at a number of options to deal with the impacts to residents with low incomes or those experiencing homelessness, including expanding on a program to distribute donated reusable bags for free through nonprofits and social service agencies. It is also working with community organizations on how best to support those unduly affected. While many are still using disposable cups and paying the city of Vancouver's new fee, there are, of course, alternatives. Some retailers are accepting reusable cups again, while others are adopting cup share programs, even if they may seem like a hard sell during the pandemic. Here's Kristen Robinson. Each pour into a reusable mug means one less disposable cup. It's a stainless steel double-walled mug. Jason Hawkins co-founded Reusables.com at the height of COVID in 2020. Think of it as a bike share or car share for containers, including cups. Users download an app, giving them access to reusables at all participating stores. When the QR code is scanned, you get a mug that must be returned within 14 days. We're really trying to help people change their behavior. And, and make it easy to do that and affordable. After a 30-day free trial, membership costs $5 a month. More than 40 businesses are on board in Vancouver and North Vancouver, where J.J. Bean was one of the first to adopt the zero-waste as a service platform. I see the potential of growing um, because people are always curious about what this is and how this works. Across Canada, communities are watching the city of Vancouver and to see how, how things uh, progress with the bylaw. If you feel like you're being taken to the cleaners on the cup fee, even A&W has joined the reusable game. So I can take this? The fast food chain launched an exchangeable cup program last September at 20 Greater Vancouver restaurants, including UBC, where more than half of 2,000 memberships were sold. I just wanted help the environment and see what we can do to make things better. What it really is about is that we do the dishes for our guests. So if you buy this cup and bring it back, uh, we give you a brand new one. The $3 investment in Cup Crew will get you a 20% discount each time you trade this in for another drink in a commercially sanitized reusable cup. You can have every guarantee that just like our root beer mugs and anything else that you um, get at a and it's, it's as good as new. Starbucks started accepting customers' reusable cups again last summer in a COVID-safe, contact-free procedure, only in-store. But the coffee giant is testing safe options for personal reusable cups in the drive-thru. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Up next, pressure's on. A guy who normally mans the net for the Junior Canucks gets called up to the big team. Hear how he's feeling after last night's game. And ahead of tomorrow's, next. Learn about our connection to the magnificent Orca. At the Royal BC Museum exhibit, Orcas, Our Shared Future, dig into the science, the currents of environmentalism, popular culture, and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. Celebrating its 20th year, don't miss the Dine Out Vancouver Festival. Over 300 restaurants across Metro Vancouver are offering exclusive fixed-price three-course meals, foodie events including indigenous chef collaborations, tasting tours, and more. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs.
Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs. All right, the comeback story of Spencer Martin and Barry's here with sports. Yeah, we all love a good uh, underdog story, Mm -hmm. and we got a good one here. Thanks very much, Jordan. With four of their best players sidelined by COVID, the Canucks need some of the lesser lights to shine bright over the next couple of weeks. And taking center stage last night was journeyman goalie Spencer Martin. All he did was fill the skates of all-star Thatcher Demko and hold the highest-scoring team in the league, the Florida Panthers, to just one goal through regulation and overtime. Now, the Canucks did fall 2-1 in a shootout, but that's a precious point, and it's a feel-good story for the Canucks, who will depend on the 26-year-old Martin to do the same thing tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. Last night was just Martin's fourth-ever NHL game and the first in nearly five years. It was really exciting to get back in there and get a, an opportunity. And uh, the way that the guys played and keeping it really simple for me it was pretty cool. And uh, it was a good experience. Hopefully we can build off of it. I love when American League players that have played there for a while get, get opportunities and show what they can do. Because a lot of times uh, there's a lot of good players that they get overlooked because of their age um, or for whatever reason. And they're, and they're really good players. And so to hit, for Spencer to come in and play a game like that against, uh, I think, they're the highest scoring team in the league, I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, I just felt incredibly blessed just to, uh, to know how hard it is to get to this level and, uh, you know, how, how many uh, experiences it takes to get opportunities. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to put into one uh, answer for you, but... It felt incredible to, to get an opportunity. And he gets another one tomorrow against the Blues. NHL today, Jets and Bruins, Winnipeg, one of those teams the Canucks are chasing. Captain Blake Wheeler back in after missing six weeks with a knee injury. Late first tied at one. Mark Scheifele centering pass goes in off the skate of Andrew Kopp. Wheeler was there too, but it's Kopp's goal. Jets led 2-1 after one. Third period tied at two. Bruins on the power play, and they tee it up for their sniper, David Pasternak. That's his 19th of the year, 10th in the last eight games. Bruins win 3-2. Jets Canucks 40 points each, but the Jets have three games in hand. Habs and Avalanche from Colorado. Habs with the best record in the West. Habs with the worst record in the entire NHL. First period, the former Victoria Grizzlies captain, Alex Newhook, scores on the power play his ninth. Newhook turns 21 next Friday. He's a good young player. 2-2 right now in the third. Leafs and Islanders from New York, where the Isles paid tribute to four-time Stanley Cup champ Clark Gillies, who passed away Friday at 67. Gillies was a physical force and a key member of the Trottier-Bossy line. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mitch Barner gives the Leafs the lead early with the shorthanded goal. Actually loses the handle, but fortunate for him, it goes through Semyon Varlamov. Marner's ninth, made it 1-0. Second period, West Van's Morgan Riley gives to William Nylander, then gets it back and fires it in for his fifth. Leafs beat the Isles 3-1 the final. NFL divisional playoffs, Titans and Bengals. Derrick Henry back after missing the last 10 weeks with a foot injury. Second quarter, Henry takes the direct uh, snap and takes it into the end zone for the touchdown. 10 carries for 30 yards and a touchdown in the first half, but the Titans did trail 9-6. This was a defensive battle, but the Bengals did get a touchdown. Their first and only of the game in the third quarter. Joe Mixon, a 16-yard dash for the cash. Bengals led 16-6, but the Titans answer. Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown with the one-handed grab while backing into the end zone. Ties it at 16. Now late fourth, Titans driving for the winning score. 
But Tannehill's pass off the receiver, or at least tipped up, and the Bengals pick it off. That sets up this 52-yard attempt from Evan McPherson. He was four for four in this game. This is the fourth. It's good, and the Bengals win it 19-16, despite the fact Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. Bengals will face either Buffalo or Kansas City for the AFC Championship. In the NFC, Packers and 49ers from Lambeau Field. Game time temp around minus 10 Celsius. That's about right for this time of year in Green Bay. Pack tough to stop on offense. Opening drive, A.J. Dillon from six yards out. And a lot of turnovers in this game. That's the only score at the half. Green Bay up seven to nothing. Canada's stars are still very much alive in the men's singles draw at the Australian Open. Denis Shapovalov should take the court around 8 o'clock our time tonight against third seed Alex Zverev in a round of 16 match. Shapovalov will be looking to get into the quarterfinals. Now overnight, his good buddy Felix Auger-Aliassim advanced to the fourth round by thrashing Great Britain's Daniel Evans. Felix has had to work his first two matches, a five-setter and a four-setter, but after a tight first set, Against Evans, Felix played what he called his best match ever at a Grand Slam. Loads up the forehand, crushes the winner down the line, took the set 6-1. Third set, more of the same as he fires the return winner. Another break, goes up 4-1. Felix serve was lethal. 16 aces, won 91% of first serve points. He has been a clutch server the past couple of weeks in Australia at the ATP Cup and here in Melbourne. And another return winner here as Felix is on to the round of 16 where he'll meet Marin Cilic. Felix has not beaten Cilic in three career meetings, but OJ Aliasin is playing the best tennis of his young career right now. World Cup downhill from Kitzbühel, Austria, known as the fastest and most dangerous track in World Cup skiing. Whistler's Jack, Jack Crawford had an incredible run on Friday, reaching speeds of 140K, posted his best-ever World Cup downhill result, a sixth. He is finding his form just in time for the Olympics. They'll have another downhill in Kitzbühel tomorrow. That Olympic downhill is two weeks from today in Beijing. Now, Crawford is originally from Toronto, but he figured if he was going to be a World Cup ski racer, he needed to come west. So he was just 15 when he did a couple of winters in Whistler, and then he moved there full-time when he was 17. He is now part of a Canadian team full of guys who are part of the Whistler Mountain Ski Club, like Brody Seeger and Jeff Reed. But it's Crawford who's in the best form to hit the podium when they get to the Olympics. Jack Crawford's been a national team skier for Canada for five years, but he's really just starting to find his groove on the mountain. Crawford delivered a career-best fifth-place finish at a World Cup Super G in Wengen, Switzerland last week. It's the third top ten of his career, and he can really feel himself inching closer to the podium. With the way my skiing's going, that if it's my day, it very well could be uh, a a podium or maybe maybe a win i haven't got there yet so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see but uh i'm really excited moving forward it would be great timing if that first podium could happen in beijing the olympic course is basically sight unseen for all so instead of competing against swiss and austrians who may have had hundreds of practice runs growing up on certain world cup courses this will be a much fairer fight good results on and none of the top guys have skied there. No one really knows what it's going to be like. It's it's definitely an advantage to guys like me, the younger the younger generation, because it kind of levels the playing field a bit. Because nobody has um, experience on that track. 
Now, if you notice on the screen, he's referred to as James Crawford, but he's always been Jack to those who know him, really from the moment he was born. My sister just, when she was really young, when I was first born, she was around three, she couldn't really pronounce James properly, so she just started calling me Jack, and then it just went from there. Jack will compete in three events in Beijing, Super G, Downhill, and the combined event. And we wish him well. English Premiership, first place Man City taking on Southampton. Seventh minute, Kyle Walker-Peters revs up the hometown supporters. Great finish there. 1-0 Southampton in front. City, though, did equalize in the 65th. Off the free kick, Kevin De Bruyne, perfect delivery. Emmerich Laporte heads it in. City held to a one-all draw, giving some hope to Liverpool, who trail by 12 points, but they do have two games in hand. And one more, Manchester United taking on West Ham. United dominated, didn't have anything to show for it until three minutes into stoppage time. On the attack, Marcus Rashford finishes the beautiful passing play. 1-0 United win, and they hop over West Ham into fourth place with the victory. Some golf now, LPGA's first event of the season, the Tournament of Champions from Orlando. A cold day there, only around plus 10 Celsius. Canada's Brooke Henderson in the hunt in the 29-player field. Birdie attempted 18 is short, but she's just two back in fourth place. Nellie Korda, the world number one, and she is the leader by one at 13 under par final round tomorrow in Orlando, where they hope it warms up. Third round of the American Express from Palm Springs. Nice day in the California desert. World number one, John Rahm. Long birdie putt here at 18 will just creep into the hole. He's at 13 under, tied for 15th, five off the lead. Four BC players made the cut. No TV time today, though, for any of them. Adam Svensson and Roger Sloan are at 12 under, tied for 18th. Adam Hadwin is at minus eight. Nick Taylor, minus seven. This is the tournament Hadwin shot at 59 back in 2017. And probably have to shoot another one of those if he wants to win this. But uh, still always a good time down there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Barry. Mm -hmm. Up next, meet the youngest woman to fly solo around the world. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. Attention consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Most teenagers look forward to their first trip, independent of their parents or guardians. But this week, a 19-year-old took that another step further by becoming the youngest woman to fly solo around the world. Not many 19-year-olds can say they've circled the globe. And only one can say she's flown herself. Zara Rutherford came full circle this week when she landed her ultralight aircraft at the same Belgian airport where her voyage began back in August. It's just really crazy. I haven't quite processed it, I think. I mean, coming here, I was basically into just 
trying to imagine what it'd be like to finally be home after five months. Along the way, Rutherford traversed 41 countries on five different continents, flying over natural wonders and man-made marvels. The trip was bumpy at times. A Russian visa issue kept her grounded in Alaska for days. Along the way, she dodged thunderstorms, fought the fog, and even flew through California's wildfire smoke. When cloudy conditions caused her to lose radio contact on her approach to Greenland, Rutherford texted her parents, I'm alive, when she finally landed safely. Both pilots themselves, Rutherford's parents knew what was in store when she left on her journey. Very aware of the risks, but I think she uh, needs to fly away. It's, it's her dream and she needs to live it. Now back at home and in the record books, Rutherford is focused on her next challenge, studying computer science in college and one day becoming an astronaut, all while inspiring girls and young women to pursue educations in STEM-related fields. But she had one thing to do for herself just after landing. Well, so I've been waiting for this sandwich that's like from a sandwich shop that's like really nearby and I've been waiting five months to get it. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting it soon. Yeah, get her that sandwich. She deserves it, no doubt. Absolutely. Kind of set the bar high for 19-year-olds around the world. Right? For yeah. sure. Imagine <laughs> accomplishing your dream by 19. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yvonne, last look at the weather. Uh, we are looking at fog. Uh, that's the big weather story. So dense, limited visibility, a heads up, and a bit chilly as we get in overnight tonight. Also, Jordan, we wanted to congratulate you, everyone behind Aww. the scenes here and on our team. You're not leaving us, uh, but you are heading over to weekdays, and we congratulate you. We can catch you at 11 o'clock from Monday to Friday starting no next week. No more weekends. Oh, but you guys yeah. Yeah, the best. We're gonna I've miss loved you. every minute of it on the weekend shift. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you again at 11. <laughs> Good night.